0: on this episode of ask the masters we're talking shotcrete with shotcrete expert master bill Drakeley and grant smith they'll discuss the proper shotcrete protocols and pools and much much more enjoy this episode of ask the masters this episode is sponsored by informa markets you do not want to miss the next lifestyle event with ask the masters on february 27th and 28th we are being hosted by bazaza tile latacrete and wet edge and we're going to get dirty we're actually going to install paper-faced Bazza tile with the backdrop of latacrete all at the wet edge facility enjoy
1: Hi, I'm Grant Smith with Aqualink Pools and Spas. I'm here with Bill Drakeley from Drakeley Pool Company, and we're gonna talk about ShotCrete. Bill, nice to have you here.
2: Thanks, nice to be here.
1: Great, one of the things that, uh, let's start off with, I think ShotCrete is a great application. I'm also a mainstream contractor, landscape contractor, so we do a lot, we pour a lot of concrete, footers, cast-in-place walls. Um, Obviously all our pools are ShotCrete here in Southern California. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, the cast-in-place is not a big thing. So I'm a huge ShotCrete fan. can you kind of talk about the basics of shotcrete and you know how it's applied and and sure. uh, you know best practices for it?
2: Well, shotcrete is a, it's an action, it's a verb. It's not a it's not a you can't hold it in your hand. So it's the uh, you know it's the ability to spray concrete. Shotcrete is shooting concrete. Uh, Gunite, which is a trade name uh, back in the day, is gunning concrete. So it's uh, the basics of the process are you are spraying concrete at high velocity with good impact uh, characteristics, good consolidation characteristics, and good density characteristics. So you spray this fluid concrete mixture and you get it to stand up based on its compaction, its density, and you can carve it and shape it any way you want based on the forms. It's, it's an ideal way to place concrete because of the vehicle it's used to being placed, compressed air. Right. So you, it's like a, a fire hose. You know, you're spraying this concrete at high velocity, you put it anywhere you want, make any shape you want, Good density, good durability based off of the compaction ability. So, you know, uh, basic concrete mix design uh, for a swing pool. Minimum compressive value is 4,000 PSI. And you really have to try your best to screw it up, not to get 4,000 PSI. I mean, you have to screw just about everything up all at the same time to get less than that. Right. Screw up mix design, screw up application, you know, rebound, that kind of fun stuff. So your compressive values are... You know, five, 6,000 PSI. And it's a terrific uh, process to accomplish what we're trying to do and hold water and right. people swim.
1: Now, one of the big things I run into here is when we bid projects or we get a specification from our, an architect or or, or just a, a general contractor is, you know, they either they're all going to wet mix over here in, in Southern California or mm-hmm. and throughout the country um, because they have a perceived notion that dry mix is not very good. Um, and I do tell them that, hey, look, you can screw both of them up and you can make both of them good. So can, kind of tell the difference between the dry mix and the wet mix
2: well they're a screwdriver and a wrench it's the different means and methods of placing essentially the same product the uh, end result let's just skip to the end the end result is dry mix shot wet mix shot should have the same durability the same compressive value, the same performance characteristics it does not matter which process you use you should have the same results and both should be excellent right dry mix um, you know, you have more control by hand. You're, you're mixing either on site or a volumetric mixer and you're adding hydration at the nozzle and you're spraying at a high velocity. Wet mix, you get it dropped off, you mix it by bags in a, in a uh, paddle mixer and dump it into a hopper and pump it and your vehicle still air, but the air is added at the nozzle and not hydration. Hydration's added at the, at the plant or at, the, at the, uh, your paddle mixer. So you're getting a fluid concrete placement just one is right at the substrate, and one is at a truck. Right. But your vehicle's compressed air. Your nozzling techniques are the same. Your performance, your appearance, the durability—they all should be the same. We did a, an article. Oh, I think two years ago with Rebecca at the uh, Pool and Spa News, and she goes, Bill, I, you know you're the pool concrete expert. What do you like better? And I says, I don't have a preference. They're if you do them both right, right. they're both the same. Now in a lab you can get stronger compressive values with dry than you can wet. Uh, and the reason I say that is uh, you need water of convenience for pumpability and wet. In dry, you just need the a minimal amount to hydrate your Portland particles to have it uh, start the hydration process and strength gain. So in a lab, you can get stronger with dry if you wanted to. All right, And dry has uh, been around longer. I mean, the turn of the century, um, the inventor, um, a- Akeley, shot the uh, uh chicago uh museum of uh, uh museum of art or natural museum of history or something like that and he coated the outside of the building with it and he did all the different types of sculptures so dry has been around for a long time and they've used dry in europe for tunnels and mining and railroads and infrastructure you know right over 100 years
1: yeah the great uh, the one thing i miss about doing dries dry because we don't do a lot of it here is you can start stop you know when you get into really many mini- different details on a pool especially with some of the complex projects we build uh you know with the wet mix you, you have a time limit and limit unless you put a retarder in it so that's the nice thing about the dry mix was we can kind of start and stop and well the differences you know,
2: are a, a couple of differences in dry and wet so dry you can start and stop because you're not hydrating your particles you're in you. Your dry mix goes into your gun and goes into your cylinders or your end gun and just gets pushed through air, still in a dry state. A little bit of moisture, up to 5% moisture, but not fully hydrated. So you have the ability to say, okay, I got a problem with my forming or a pipe broke or whatever. You can start, shut it down and work on it for however long you want and then you know recharge and and start again. Whereas wet, you have a time frame. Even with retarder. Even with something that's going to block the hydration, uh, and the strength gain, and heat generating process, and wet, you, you still have a time frame, and nobody wants to send a truck back. Right. And the and the or nobody wants to, you know, it's tough to schedule that type of stuff. So, be um, a bigger volume in wet. Yeah. So dry, you do dental moldings, a little more intricate, and you're not pushing up as much hoses and as heavy. It's easier on the guys. Wet mix is heavier, but you're pumping volume.
1: All right. Now, it's just say I've run into this here where we have like a dry mix you know, shell that was done years ago where we're adding a spa or, mm-hmm. or there's a misconception that you can actually wet on to dry or vice versa. But it doesn't matter because it doesn't it's matter. all shockery. Yeah, it's all the process. Well,
2: the process is you're, you're driving. Uh, so let's talk about cold joints. You're referring right. to a cold yeah, joint. Yeah, correct. So the American Concrete Institute, Defines a cold joint is a lack of commingling of different concrete pores or materials. So I pour a sidewalk down the road and I stop at the end of the day. Next day I want to pour up against where I stopped. That's a cold joint because the fluid concrete is not going to penetrate the hardened concrete. There's going to be no commingling. With shotcrete, that's not true. With shotcrete, you can shoot a pool, half a pool, or come back and add a spa twenty years later. Roughen up the surface, have a three dimensional bond plane, and then take and then shoot your material. And that paste at that high velocity actually penetrates into the pores of the three dimensional receiving surface and has a co mingling or a physical bonding connection. And that's why there's no such thing as a cold joint in shotcrete. And there's also no such thing as a time limit. That, what I'm describing and what you asked about, is monolithic shooting. All right. You know, you don't, you know, Shaqri, the beauty of Shockrete is we can do a subway system in New York City. We can do infrastructure work, repair a bridge going across the Hudson River. We can shoot uh, piles and piers in Grand Central Station that are 70 years old. And we can fire our, con- long as we prep the surface, right? long as we get to an SSD condition, three-dimensional bond plane, good hard material, you can add concrete to that and still be monolithic. So in the swimming pool arena, um, you always can add, as long as your receiving service is solid and hard and, and not deteriorated and it's prepped in the right um, uh, manner, whether it's the day before or the year before, right.
1: doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah, going to that, like difficult sites. I mean, out well, here in Southern California, we have a lot of hills we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes we're we'll doing a negative edge pool or we have like a surge basin that's just hanging off in the air. Mm-hmm. That's the great thing about shotcrete is I can just shoot a certain portion of that and do proper form work. And then we can, at a certain time, we can go ahead and pull off that formwork and continue on with the rest of the pool. Yeah. And uh, that's the great thing about shock is I can, I don't, if I want to wait two weeks while I cure out, you know, some of the rest of the pool, I yeah. can do that or wait a month or, you know, whatever. If I do more plumbing or, you know, reestablish forms. Well,
2: um, any uh, any type of vanishing edge. And I always say this when I do the teaching classes with construction or we do a project profile. I've never ever shot an entire vanishing edge right. pool in one day yeah I, you can't because right. if you shoot properly and you had all the right steel for your surge tank or your surge trough or your werewolf uh and the forming of the edge you got to strip that forming and then go back and finish shooting so we never get to a point where we strip and shoot that same day right there's just too much work involved and then if you're shooting a vanishing edge in one day you probably have a lot of guys in the job or you know you're kind of rushing through things where you really shouldn't
1: right yeah yeah we always shoot our wear walls yeah second day we or you know a couple of weeks later typically what we'll do is we'll shoot the majority of the shell mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and we'll form up the wear wall and then go ahead and shoot against a good solid form so and and that and that's because it just makes that that tightness of the shot creek, you know that much tighter you know when you're shooting against a nice stable form
2: well well forming is key it should uh, should be able to resist the uh, the miles per hour of the sprayed material, so think of it this way: your concrete is probably going at with the right compressor size. You're shooting it at uh, sixty to eighty miles per hour.
1: Right now, I have found a lot of shotcrete contractors, um, you know, at least in the pool industry, you know, what what is the, They don't typically have the minimum CFM compressor. You know, a lot of times, what is the minimum CFM for a for well, wet and, mix?
2: In wet, uh, at the end of the day, you should have at least two hundred fifty CFM. That's what ACI five hundred six recommends. In dry, you should have 650 or above. Right. I mean, uh, a, a 185 compressor in wet is for irrigation. It, it's not for concrete. So, right. I mean, you, you can't run a 185, and a lot of guys do it, but the nozzle's got to be so close to the steel. And by the end of the day, filters and, and just if it's hot out, you know, you, you, the compressor's getting tired. Right. And you've got to keep closing that distance between nozzle and substrate to make sure you're not losing the speed. So I, you know, I've see guys who shoot with a 185 and, you know, we do expert witness testimony and we'll look at all the uh, equipment involved and there's voids behind some of the bigger steel or some of the cross sections in the corners. And I always ask, well, what size compressor do you use? Well, 185, it's an industry standard. I said, it's not an industry standard. Mm. You're not even supposed to use a 185. Right. You blow out irrigation lines with a 185. Right. It's not, it's not designed for spraying. You got to uh, increase it. We'll. I shoot a 375 Ingersoll Rand compressor for our wet or we'll get a 400. Right. I mean, that's, you want to, the velocity is the key. Right. And, and more velocity, the better. If it's too much, you take a step back or you make an adjustment, but you got to have the air. The air is the critical uh, vehicle for proper application, especially right. if you're doing vanishing, like you're doing vanishing edge, big steel, double cage, double curtain. you got to get the concrete from the front of that steel to the back of that form and then start building it towards you. You can't all of a sudden just shoot and clump and have the steel be a a barrier and have voids behind it because then you get effervescence, you get uh, surface delamination, tiles coming off, you get leaking. I sat in a class, I don't know how many years ago, and some jackass told me, well, weir walls are are, uh, somewhat porous and they're supposed to let water through. That's the biggest bunch of crap I've right. ever heard in my life. <laughs> you shoot concrete. You shoot in the shotcrete process according to ASA and ACI. Your pool shell is supposed to be watertight, right? Plus or minus that day's evaporation, and and that's that's your goal, right? You're, you're supposed to be shooting watertight, con- not waterproof, because nothing's right. waterproof uh, with infinite pressure and infinite time. There is nothing waterproof. So watertight, the ability to hold concrete, right? Like a bird bath.
1: Yeah. Do you think one reason why the water dampening industry is making it a, uh, a good toehold in in our industry in the pool industry is because of lousy concrete? Exactly. Yeah,
2: these guys have a job because we stink. Right. That's there's, that's as easy and straight as I can put it. You you get guys who promote twenty five hundred psi concrete, you get three thousand psi concrete, voids, effervescence, shoveling, rebound, stairs with no steel. Cracking, all this kind of stuff right. that you're not supposed to have according to ACI and ASA, and you get people producing that type of garbage, well, of course, you're going to have a, a water, you know, this waterproofing industry, this parallel yeah. industry, and they're going to follow all the junk around and say, we can fix it. Right. And then the problem with that grant is, do you do it so much, the expectation of the end user is that, okay, my concrete is going to need some type of protective layer. Now all the guys, you, and maybe not you, but all the guys in Genesis I've been dealing with, we well, really gotta waterproof your shell. I have, in my 30 years, I have put two coats of damp proofing or waterproofing on some of our shelves in 30 years. right? Because we're shooting 5 or 6,000 PSI, we're curing it, we're letting proper hydration and strength gain, we're, we're filling the shells full of water. I mean, part of our specification, when we write a specification for a client, is you need a tank test councilman Huntsacker does that and we do that for Drakely pools uh, we show the client our pool will hold water before plaster before tile before any of that other stuff right so the waterproofing layer is not necessary and as a matter of fact one of the guys in the ACI uh, told me you know the more band-aids you put between mm-hmm. the finished layer and the concrete the more chances you're gonna have that thing's going to fail at some point right now I, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, base Creek and Vito Mariano and what he can do for a shell that needs it. Right. So I'm not saying not to use waterproofing, yeah. but if you do it right, you don't need it. Right. These guys better find another industry. If everybody in the pool industry puts yeah. concrete down, there, nobody needs any of that stuff anymore.
1: Right. No, I tell you. I mean, that's my first thing It's like, um, always use it. I mean, shotcrete's your best, your first line of defense. You know, a good shotcrete application. You don't need, you know, water dampening products.
2: Well, I, I'd give you an example. Mike, so I come from a third generation I have my own company, but I used to work for the family company. So my grandfather used to shoot dry, and uh, they did a pool, one of the first kidney-shaped pools in Connecticut, New England area, in 1959. Free form, not rectangle, not poured, shot with dry. No plaster, just a trial finish. We vacuum, my company vacuums that pool today. We've done new tile, new coping. It's a concrete surface. It doesn't lose a drop of water. Wow. 1959. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're talking back then, it wasn't technical data. There wasn't, I mean, they knew water cement ratio, mixed design, four to one, minimum mix ratio. They knew how to cure, they knew how to place it in shovel, rebound, anything. And it shows, I mean, you do shotcrete right, there's no time limit. You can't tell a client, well, the pools are gonna last 20 years, you need to renovate it. I, I can't say that. I have right. no idea how long it's gonna. We, we take care of pools that are poured concrete back in the 30s and you know it's yeah. 10,000 PSI now.
1: Right yeah yeah because yeah. it takes a long time for concrete to actually cure out fully
2: well you know once all the once all the portland particles are hydrated with water you'll reach your ultimate strength the question is when will all that have when's that finished right hoover dam's not done right it's still getting stronger in areas yeah so it's uh there, nobody knows the answer to that but it's we do a pool i'll tell a client well it's gonna longer last longer than you and i are going to be on the planet i can tell you that yeah.
0: As the world's leading exhibitions organizer, Informa delivers over 550 international market-leading events annually through face-to-face exhibitions. One of their biggest events is World of Concrete. At World of Concrete find all of the products, resources, and valuable information necessary to strengthen your business. This is a commercial construction industry's first, largest, and most important annual international event for concrete and masonry professionals across the globe. Sign up today at worldofconcrete.com. This event is fast approaching on February 4th through the 7th with education the 3rd through the 7th. You do not want to miss this colossal event. Sign up now. I will see you in Vegas at the World of Concrete. Let's get in a little bit, backtrack a little bit into curing. You know,
1: we're talking about proper curing. Mm -hmm. Typically what, you know, we'll do is we'll go ahead and, uh, you know, shoot our shell, and then within a couple hours, we'll get the soaker hoses going around it, keep moisture constantly on it. Mm -hmm. And that's like a key factor, you know, to retaining that moisture in the shell. Can you kind of expound on that a little bit?
2: So you you shoot your concrete, and you have mixed water. Okay, the mixed water that you mix your materials, your pozzolins, your sand, your cement— whatever your additives are, water controlling admixture, hydration, reducing, whatever. Uh, so that water is in that pumpable material that you shoot. Now the idea for curing is that you, it helps strength gain. So what do I mean by strength gain? Well, strength gain means that the water you just mixed everything with has to come in contact with Portland. So if my fist is a piece of Portland, I hit it with hydration, it grows calcium silicates for lack of better terminology. And these fingers grab and lock onto the surrounding particles, the aggregate, the sand, and this all locks together and it gets hard into a a substrate, which is called concrete. The key is that we have to have enough water to hydrate all the particles in the mix. So if you don't cure, when you hydrate, when you get to this point, generates heat. The heat will then evaporate the water if the concrete interior matrix gets too hot. So if you're evaporating more water than you have to hydrate these particles, you won't hydrate all the particles, you won't get ultimate strength gain, your concrete will be weaker. So how do we prevent that? We have to control the temperature of the concrete during hydration. And you do that by curing or putting a, a moist water coat, You know, keep it damp on top of the surface so the surface of the concrete doesn't get too hot where it starts to uh, turn that water, gets too hot, turns to gas and evaporates. So the the reason you cure is to make sure that the water inside the concrete wall stays inside the concrete wall and does its job of hydration. If you don't cure, if you, you know, we get a lot of, I get a lot of calls where, okay, I have the shotcrete guy shot the pool, come back 24 hours later and there's cracks. It's a hotel pool or something like that. I says, well, and the the concrete guy said, well, we did everything right, it's not our fault. I said, well, who cured it? And the general contractor says, well, you know, some somebody'd say, "Well, it's self curing I'm like, "No, right? You know, who who put water on the concrete surface to control the heat of the surface, which allows the water inside the mix to stay there and do its job and hydrate?" Yeah, the answer is nobody. It's not the it's not the concrete it's not the shotcrete guy's problem. Right. In in today's world of shotcrete, and I tell this to a lot of general contractors. These guys don't. I'll ask a shotcrete contractor to guarantee their their structural. Uh, strength or compressive value and they said one guy i'm getting in an argument with this guy in washington dc at the hilton garden inn across from the white house he says i'm not guaranteeing my concrete and if you make me i'm walking then he tells me to go f myself i'm like i looked at his mix design so what's your problem you got a good mix design it's easy to get four thousand. he says i'm not guaranteeing it because we leave the job at the end of the day and what he just told me in a matter of few words is nobody's curing the pool nobody's watching nobody's watching uh strength gain through curing and hydration he can't be responsible for the end product all he can be responsible for what he did that day and he was absolutely right right So curing is a huge problem when you subcontract right a shotcrete guy or, or someone place some a dry or wet mix and they leave in the day and you as a general contractor, a construction manager, or owner of a pool business don't know enough that it's now your responsibility to make sure that concrete gets proper strength gain And if it doesn't it's not the guy who shot its fault it's your fault.
1: Right. Yeah. You can't leave it up to the homeowner like a lot of guys do. They'll leave a little note on the back door when they leave and say, Hey, wh- hose this down a couple times a day. You know, mm-hmm. walk over plumbing trenches and, you That's know, right. and, t- and wire and everything and just, right. you know, water this thing down. So That's it's not right. the homeowner's responsibility. It's the pool contractors.
2: Yeah. Pool contractor can go get some soaker hoses. Right. Hook them up to a, or put a grass sprinkler out there. Right. Or like in California, you guys are in a drought, get some burlap. Burlap. Right. And, right. Put right. It and yeah. just wet it once a day. But you need to, concrete to stay in a moist state uh 28 day is ACI cure minimum seven to ten and get your good strength at least get you going in the right direction
1: yeah now I hear a lot of this from the Florida Florida builders they say it's so humid down there that they don't need the water to water cure their pools yeah is that true not true what's
2: uh what's this uh, not true your honor
1: okay <laughs> all right that's what I figured but I want to
2: I hear it a lot so I want to kind of clarify it
1: now if it's raining yeah. if it's raining sure it's yeah. one thing or if right.
2: it's it's such a there's a mist out, right. or it's foggy twenty four seven. Right, at, with right temperatures, maybe. Right, but again, not true. You're on. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
1: There's it's so humid down here. I can no, barely breathe. No, no. That now,
2: yeah. What what Florida guys and guys in wet areas of the country, the ground is wet. Right. So you do have a sense of curing on the backside. Right. Which is great, but the front side is where all the tile goes and yeah. the plaster and you know. So you need to cure the top of the beam and then inside of that pool.
1: Right. Yeah, and
2: and having groundwater is not really going to help you.
1: Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. So, yeah, I mean, and then you know, a lot of times with the dry mix, what happens is the you know, flashing. I mean, we know it's not good, but explain to, the, to everybody why it's not good.
2: Well, uh, flashing—it depends. You can flash over a pool in a in a uh, as long as the surface is properly prepped, okay, and it's still gaining strength and it accepted it as part of the overall. structural member. But if you flash over a dry mix job and you don't prep the surface properly, and you just kind of just dust it to make a nice cleaning, you don't get a good bond. You don't have uh, co-mingling in the three-dimensional bond plane. Stuff's coming off. So just to level out the pool and not understand did I just create a cold joint? Did I not clean the surface? Did I not get the dust off? Did I not hydrate it? Is it not in an SSD condition? So the new concrete over the top, of it Will it accept it? Will it be part of the monolithic shot? And if the answer is no, it's coming off. Right. So you, I'm, I don't have a problem with people flashing. I have a problem with people not prepping the surface that's receiving the flash. Right. Because we do that in the subway tunnels all the time. If we will, uh, East and West Cavern and Grand Central Station, we built it. We had an A-line. We had to bring concrete out to an A-line. And we got uh, inch plus or minus, you know, a couple hundred feet down, a hundred feet high. So you go back over and you fine tune that with a a fine layer of dry mix shotcrete. We flashed that, but the surface was rough. It was right. wet. It was yeah. prepped. It was ready to get. It. it wasn't dusty and right. You know all that yeah.
1: crap. Yeah, talking about a little bit of that prep or that cold joint. I know you need it, you know, surface surface saturated dry. Yep. SSD. Yeah. You know rough surface three, three dimensional plane. Yep. And there's something else called latency Is what's that exactly? Well,
2: lateness is a uh, is a drying technique. A little sheen or almost effervescence on top of the surface that is not cementitious. So it should be chipped off. So any of the any of the concrete gives you back. You know some of the stuff that's comes out of the mix. You got to get it cleaned off and down to the hard concrete. But you're to have good bondability and have monolithic shooting and get rid of cold joints. You have to allow the con- the receiving part of the concrete be open three dimensionally and allow that paste penetration to get in there, microscopically get in there. But it's got to co-mingle. If it doesn't commingle, if we're going to shoot against this green wall. That's not a three dimensional bond plane. That's right. a slick surface that I can't put pace penetration through. So, if we start roughening it up and get into a kind of peaks, microscopic peaks and valleys, all of a sudden we have a locking mechanism that holds the bond. And that's the whole thing.
1: Right, okay, gotcha. Yeah, because people are kind of confused. I know that got brought up one time on the forum a long time ago about some effervescence that had come out and yeah. you know how well to clean it off and everything.
2: you got to so. clean it off because it's not part of the cementitious material and it's not going to hold your bond and it's going to be a bond breaker. Right. People ask me, well, should I use bonding agents on concrete? I'm like, no. I said, as a matter of fact, bonding agents in chalk reconstruction do the opposite. They, they guarantee you that you won't have a bond. So you have a three-dimensional bond plane. You have a microscopic peaks and valleys. So you put a bonding agent on top of that, and it smooths that rough surface. I don't right. care what it, little divots it goes, but it smooths out that rough surface. And now you have nowhere for that pace penetration to go. Right. So you just put a bridge over what you're trying to shoot at. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why you don't use bonding agents in chakra. Right, gotcha. Um,
1: you know, going back to form work, I mean, uh, you know, the, the thickness of the plywood, the, that has a lot to do with a good sturdy plywood. What do you normally use? Three-quarter inch. Three-quarter Rigidity
2: inch. is the key. Right. I don't care what you use. It's got to be rigid. It can't move. Right. So you see guys use foam and some of this vib- vibratory materials. That's not proper chakra. Right. You can shoot against the earth as long as it doesn't move. You can shoot against plywood. You can't shoot against chicken wire, you can't shoot against mesh, you can't shoot against foam, you know. And, yeah. and I, and I listen, I as a pool builder myself, you know, it's it, shock reads hard work. It's a long day. And the last thing you wanna do is somebody come on, some know-it-all like me come on and say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, just the result of the product varies based off of how well you prep your receiving surface. So the less movement you have, the less voids you have, the less effervescence, the less water penetration, I mean, the key, the idea for the concrete and the marriage of the concrete and steel is to have watertight, no voids. Protect the steel, don't let it oxidize, expand, and cause a crack or a delamination. So forming is key in that. You shoot against something, it should be hard. It should not move.
1: Right. Yeah. Now, um, when it comes to, uh, you know, it's like spa dam walls. You know, typically a lot of pools have a spa that's attached to the, yeah. to the pool. That dam wall that's in between the, the pool and the spa. Mm-hmm. if you know it's, it's hard to form you know unless you do two shots and typically a lot of guys aren't going to do a two shot process on that type of pool mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to actually you know get a best shot creed application on the dam wall we know it's not just strapping pegboard into the outside and then strip it off and then you know flash it on the other side
2: well i mean you can tie you can tie a form board to it i mean right plenty of guys use pegboard. Yeah. The, the problem with pegboard is if you get the steel up against your pegboard and you strip it off, you get rebound, you get rock, you get stuff stuck around that steel, and you want to make sure that that doesn't happen. So you can do pegboard with a spacer, and just right. consolidate and surround that steel, and then pull it off, and then flash the other side in the plastic state. That's okay. But the key with the with the dam walls and the common walls is you got to encapsulate the steel. You got to get your thicknesses. You got to shoot to your wires. Uh, you need forming that'll help you do that i've seen guys take that little chicken wire that mesh and put it in there that's the worst thing you can do Uh, we've done a couple expert witness cases on a vanishing edge wall where they put mesh in between the steel and shot against both sides of the mesh the problem is that the paste goes through the mesh the stone hits the mesh and falls to the bottom so now all of a sudden in this this vanishing edge pool they had a cavity going right up through the middle of that wall Hmm. from all the rebound right so it's, you know, I appreciate the Chakri guys trying to, you know, let's get a form in and out of here quick. Let's make sure we do a good job. And what forming product will help us? You have right. to be aware that certain forming problems will actually hurt you. Pegboard doesn't hurt you if you do it the right way. Uh, you, know, you get some of the uh, Genesis guys, said never use this, never use that. Well, okay, well, you hold a hose for five right. days in yeah. a row, 10 hours a day, and then tell me. But if you just understand what you're trying to get to, Good encapsulation, no rebound generation, and good solid material, good bond. Do whatever you want to do, but if that's the end result, that's okay. If right. it's not the end result, take a look at your means and methods, and maybe forming is one of them.
1: Right? Yeah. Uh, kind of going on to like ACI certified nozzleman, What what does it take for you know Shaqri guy to become an ACI certified
2: Uh So we started this. We started pushing this back. Uh, God, two thousand three, two thousand four, for the pool industry, and. Uh, you shoot concrete, and you have 500 hours, you are, uh, and you can document where you shot. You are uh, allowed to take a test. You shoot a test panel, you take a written test, and you have a verbal test with an ACI examiner. And as an ACI examiner, I do this a lot in the pool industry to guys who are trying to be certified. And what the certification says is this person is doing it the right way. And it's good for the general contractor. It's good for the homeowner. It's good for the employer of that shotcrete guy that he is taking the process seriously and understands what he should and shouldn't do. So we're trying to raise the bar in the shotcrete industry that says if you get your guy certified, that's a basic driver's license certification. It's not anything high tech. You can shoot this type of substrate. And it's, I think it's good for education, especially for the pool companies, because you, know, you go through a certification process, and you realize, oh man, I've been doing this wrong forever. Right. You know, I did not realize this was the wrong. I mean, doing this, I've been doing that, and it's not the right way. So it gets us all on the same page. Uh, we have three certified knowledge. I'm a certified knowledge as well as an examiner, and we teach the process, and I test for it uh, for the ACI and the ASA, and it's a it's a good process. And and let's face it, we didn't go to Harvard, right, in the pool industry. <laughs> so taking a written test, yeah. And then that kind of stuff. We'll do a verbal test, you know, yeah. for guys who are not great reading. I mean, I I did a test in Pittsburgh. The whole crew didn't get past sixth grade, but
0: right. they
2: could put shock read anywhere, and they were excellent at it. So just have not having the ability to read or write too well, or some of the Spanish kids, some of these guys do terrific concrete, and they know what they know. They just can't verbalize it. So right. the testing protocol is is uh, formatted for the for the applicant. I mean, you have to know, have to know certain things. Right. You can verbalize, you can put in writing, but the certification is a terrific thing for the pool industry because it gets everybody on that basic level of understanding of what this process should and should not do. Right. I mean, the pool industry is the biggest abuser of it. These are the guys who should be the most certified and you know, credentialed.
1: Right, right. I mean, when it comes to like the strength of the concrete, um, I know that matters a lot
2: with water tightness. Yep. Um, why is that? Density. Density. You you you're you're trying to build a product that has that gets away from permeability and porosity, okay? The permeability and porosity lead to waterproofing, lead to the next industry. Um, and if you want to save money as a subcontractor on your shock read application, well, hire somebody who's awful. Hire right. a 2,500 psi plan. I mean, you, you'll save money on cement. There's no question about it, right? But you'll pay for it in the end. right? And the waterproofing guys take all the money because they fix all the crap. So compressive value means density, durability, water tightness, bondability with glass tile, bondability with plaster, bondability with your substrate. So that the, you get good density, good water tightness, you have a better performing shell. You have a longer lasting, more durable shell. And, and the thing's work better around it. I mean right. it's just it's a domino effect. Right. There was
1: a discussion a couple months ago on the Facebook page about, you know, the con- compressive strength. And now you could shoot a 2500 compressive strength and if you had your water to cement ratio correct, it would get up to that 4000 value.
2: It would never would have been called 2500 if your water cement ratio was correct. Right. Okay, that's a misnomer. You have correct water cement ratio, uh, your value is not ever going to be 2500. To get 2,500, you have to order 4,000 PSI and wet it up. Okay. Or you throw rebound and you screw up. To get less than 4,000, you have to try and screw this up. Okay. It's not hard to get good compressive value. And if you're in wet mix, you can't pump 2,500 PSI. Right. I mean, it's just it's you adding water at the nozzle or you're adding water right at the hopper. Right. It's awful.
1: Yes. Way too much sand.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's segregated. So imagine microscopic view of these Portland particles. You add water to weaken the mix, the particles go microscopically away from each other. They grow their calcium silicates. They don't bond, right? right? So now they're left uh, in a sample away from each other. The water dries out. And then you do a compressive value, and you squeeze that together. There's no consolidation. There's no strength.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, with concrete, especially water kills on it. Like I said, I we pour a lot of deck, concrete decks, mm-hmm. whether for sub bases or just you know finished you know finish work, and then walls and things like that. And uh, it's the problem, I find is. The pumpers especially don't, and the concrete driver, they have no understanding about how water works in cement. Right. So I've always got to be there whenever, the, and just standing out there at the pumper, because if I go back onto the job site, mm-hmm. lo and behold, all of a sudden I see that, that drum turning quickly. I'm like, what'd you do? Oh, I added 10 gallons. Yeah. I was like, no, you don't add any water without my permission on right. it, because yeah. that's what's going to cause, especially with finish work, shrinkage cracks. Sure, you
2: know? sure, and it's a, it's a hot day. Right. I mean, we, I, I, I'm a victim of this. We had a some ready-mix companies will send two trucks at a time. We order our trucks 10 yards an hour apart because right. I can unload in about an hour. Yeah. So we get one concrete truck and another one pulls up. And I'm like, you just reloaded right after this guy. He goes, yeah. At lunchtime. Yeah. I said, get out of here. Right. Send me something else. I didn't watch the guy coming back. He went down at the bottom of the driveway, which is probably a quarter of a mile at this weekend house. Sat there, then come back up. Right. And I wasn't there we had a shrinkage crack between his load and the load before him. And the owner says to me, he says, I thought you were a concrete Jesus. What the right. hell is this? And I'm <laughs> right. like, I don't know, but I'll find out.
1: Yeah.
2: I took a look at the guy's ticket. He didn't go back. He just went down and sat in the driveway for an right. hour, added water and spun it. And he came back, his water cement ratio was way off. We were so busy humping material, we didn't check the ticket. We just took right. the ticket signed and threw it in the truck. So, you know, shame on us for not right. paying attention to details, but your point's well taken. You need to be a good foreman and watch uh, if you're doing ready mix. A lot of the times, so we'll order our concrete mixture with five to eight gallons Mm. held back. So we have the ability to add five or eight gallons on the job site when it gets hot and still within our water cement ratio. You never have the truck fully loaded with water leaving the plant because you never know what's going to happen.
1: Right. And that is one nice thing about the ready-mix plants here is they do hold back the water and they actually put on the ticket the allowable water, you know, that you can add to the truck to get it up to, say, a four-inch slump or, you know, for pouring a deck or, you know, wall footer or something like that. So if people pay attention to that ticket, you know, or at least their mix design, I think that, you know, really cut down on the problems that you see.
2: It's tough. You know, Granted, it's tough. You do this uh, type of work. Nothing's ever going to go hundred percent right. the right way yeah I mean, every job I've ever done there's something off oh, right now yeah. now what yeah and you got to adjust but as long as you're a, a quality contractor and you do the right thing and you understand the process you keep yourself out of trouble yeah
1: right yeah um g- going back to uh, um, you know form work and difficult sites because that's what uh you know I really want to get into uh, what's probably the most difficult site you ever did and how many shots did you have to get You know, how many shots did you have to do on that site to get the thing, at least a shell completed?
2: Uh, Different, most difficult site we've ever done. Well, we've done two down on the shore, uh, Greenwich, Fairfield County, Connecticut, Greenwich, Connecticut. One was a a yacht club, 82 uh, meters swimming competition with a a 15-foot diving well that the pool sat on top of uh, 65 uh, steel piles, 60 feet long, driven down into refusal, and then the pool floor was three kgs of number seven bar, which we pumped and then had very steep slopes and then we shot the walls on top of the pool, uh, fighting the tide of Long Island Sound in the middle of the winter. Right. That was pretty hard. Uh, but it worked out well and, and uh, we do that when we do a commercial pool. Well, most of, half of our work is commercial venues. We usually pump the floor, right. cast yeah. the floor. Same, same durability, same compressive value, and we'll roughen up the joint between the wall and the floor and we'll shoot that joint. Right. Uh, and that's that's how we do our commercial work. And it's monolithic. As long as you're right. shooting onto a concrete receiving substrate, it's still monolithic.
1: Right yeah now there's like um we we're talking about, a little bit about water dampening products um there's integral mixes you can add onto a a uh, product so if somebody gets spec'd out you know they're working for an architect or an engineer or gc mm-hmm. and they uh you know spec out a integral waterproofing is there anything the contractor wants to look for uh when they're doing i mean obviously the mix ha- design has to be right The appropriate amount of admixture has to be put into the mix um uh, have you dealt with that before
2: well we've we've taken on specifications where they ask for it, and I've always taken it out of this mix. Uh, internal waterproofer, assuming you assumes you're not going to do something right. Right. You have the right mix design and white uh, cement chemistry. You don't need that. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think it gets in the way. Yeah. You have, you have mix design, and I understand it's uh, microscopic. And there's a lot of good guys who sell this stuff, but just focus on proper chakra. If you get your compressive values and you get good spray and you don't need this stuff. Right. So I, I've never used it. Actually, I take that back. I have used it just based on one of the manufacturers asked us to use their product, and it, uh, you know, the theory is correct where it's uh, microscopic spikes, and it kind of breaks up all the clumpiness, and and it makes hydration and the whole process work together quicker more evenly right but I've never I've never had a need because we just we stick with the uh, ACI yeah. specifications
1: right so going back to like the application of it why do the nozzlemen twist then the dials the around like in a circle wrap it's, it yeah
2: just because you want to make sure that you get your concrete around that cross-section of steel so you like to wrap it in a rotating manner just to make sure that you're covering and getting good consolidation around your steel, especially in heavy, congested areas or cross-sections.
1: Right. Okay, great. Um, now, you know, they, there's a lot about splicing. I mean, what's your thought on no contact versus contact? Or? Well,
2: whoever came up with the idea of non-contact lab splicing never shot a nozzle and never shot a floor. So if you take a look at, you're standing in a commercial floor, and you have non-contact lab splice. You're standing on the floor, and you're looking down at the shot. You have bars that look like go forever. You look like you got a, a floor, a curtain of, of steel. And what it does as you shoot the floor is it increases rebound. You get more material bouncing off because the angle that you're shooting on, even though it's a 90 degree angle, as it's facing you, you're going through all this steel one after another. I said, so I think non contact black splicing was designed by somebody who never shot a pool. I understand the reason why. Some guys put bars side by side, big thick bars, and they get a void behind it because the nozzle is not wrapping and rotating. But if you Carry your steel in a contact lap splice, front to back. You're not going to have that problem. It's all about application, the ability of the knellsmith. Right. But non-contact black splicing exposes a hell of a lot more steel, especially on the floor that you have to shoot around, and increases rebound. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm not a fan of it, and that's why.
1: Okay. No. I mean uh, that's a good explanation for it. Yeah, well, it's my it, it's my yeah, yeah, his name is I'm not calling all engineers dumb, all right. just some <laughs> of them. Okay, gotcha. Well, talking about like the process of Shot creek One of the things is is deputy inspectors. Um, you know, when I tell a client, hey, we're going to have a deputy inspection on the job site today, they think it's from the city, but it's no, it's a it's a company that is hired independently to come and actually you know test or do a test panel and, and test the shotcrete. Right. And there is a certain psi that you the break the you know where once you go above that psi, uh, you you need a deputy inspector can you kind of elaborate on that
2: yeah it's uh
1: i think i mean i do one on sometimes these wall footers you know you know anything because it's like it kind of backs up with the, you know what i'm speculating. Well, on the job
2: you know just your concrete is going to be a certain compressive value and i've heard this before this is out in california yeah so if your concrete is going to be somewhat strong you need someone to inspect it but if you're going to give the client you know Garbage. Right. I don't worry about the inspector. We're just going to give you crap and we don't need to look at it. Right. That's essentially yeah. what that means. Yeah. That's <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. If you do concrete right and you're, you stick to the minimum of uh, values. Right. Specified as code by the American Concrete Institute. The American Concrete Institute says that any concrete exposed to water, surrounding steel in different exposure conditions, is a minimum of 4,000 PSI. That's been around a long time. Right. Okay. The pool industry... And their subsequent inspection process has taken that and bastardized it so bad that, look, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you're going to get a great home, but I'm only going to shoot 2,500 PSI, so we don't need even to watch it. We're just going to give you junk, and here you go. Congratulations. Right. Live it and love yeah. it. That's so stupid.
1: So, so once again, because of the, everybody's raced down to the bottom, you know, we there, somebody came up with an idea to say, because a lot of cities out here, they mandate it, you know, that they're, you need to have a deputy inspector on site whenever you're shooting, you know, shot creeps well, uh, or conquer porn. I Capornis think that's and, a good idea. Yeah, right.
2: I, think, I mean, we shoot as an examiner and, and uh, someone who teaches a process. I'm not necessarily going to have a special inspector, but if I'll do a commercial application, we'll get a third party inspector or a lab right. or uh, someone who does this type of work take cylinders, we'll shoot panels, they'll take cores, and we'll just verify what we've said to the, said right. to the end user. I mean, we did a, a, a commercial high school pool, uh, Canterbury High School in New Milford, and it was supposed to be a cast in place, but they did not want the shot process. Right. They heard terrible things about it, the engineer specified, and I said, well, we're going to we're gonna shoot it and we're going to get those values. And they're like, well, we're not going to accept it. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, if I don't get your values or exceed them, I'll rip the entire pool out and do it your way. And I guarantee it. Right. And they and by that time, said, okay, well, okay, fine, we'll take your guarantee. So I had to make sure. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, God, this is easy. They yeah. specified 4,000 psi. We had 6,000 psi in 21 days. Right. You know, our, our we broke at 120 days at 7,500. So yeah. when we get to that point, and you you show the end user and you show the engineers, this is what concrete actually can do. Then they stop questioning you. Right. Then they say, okay, well, okay, here's a guy, or here's a company, or here's a organization that understands concrete science we're going to leave him alone we're going to worry about the other guy in the job site or somebody else right right. but having a deputy inspector or a special inspector to verify third party is a great idea and i think you know california california is a funny funny little animal here right it has a crazy rules if you just follow the aci right everybody be a lot better off yeah right i mean should should
1: the shockery company hire the deputy or the contractor the homeowner
2: uh, well, if I'm a pool company, yeah, um, I'm, my sales pitch to the owners, I'm going to have someone verifying yeah. what we say right. until you do it enough that everyone knows that this guy is on the level and, and knows what he's doing. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, having more oversight right. is a waste of time. It's a waste yeah. of time for me. Right. Uh, but if you're not going to do it right and you're, you know, you're not the quality company, then mm-hmm. oversight is important.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, you know, uh, going back to kind of like the application of chakri, I think there's a big misunderstanding about it. Um, how can people, like, you know, contractors that are out there, obviously we have the Genesis courses, we do stuff like this, we do like smaller classes at some of the trade shows. How can somebody find out how, you know, we were talking about this earlier you know, today? How can somebody find out, you know, these are the minimum values? Where do they go to find that? And, um, and go
2: to the American Chakri ShotCrete Association, chakri.org. There is a seven position statement letter, seven position papers we've written uh, for the pool industry as a reference and a resource to keep contractors out of trouble. Minimum compressive values, monolithic shooting, sustainability, terminology, Mm -hmm. forming. Uh, We have a new curing paper coming out. Uh, So anything that you, kind of the the essentials for pool concrete installation uh, come out of the American Shock creek Association. The other resource, which is going to be even bigger and more uh, important, is the American Concrete Institute it has a pool shotcrete committee, 5060H, which I'm chairing, and we're going to put out a pool shotcrete document from the ACI, which will be legal and binding. Right. Like, Great. You, know, you, you get in trouble and the attorney is going to grab this book and put it on a witness stand. Did you follow these Right. Yeah. these rules yes or no right and if you can't say yes then you're in trouble
1: right and a lot of that'll clarify a lot of things hell so yes yeah. it's, it's going to be great i can't wait for that to happen yep. so well bill it's great to have you here Concrete's one of my favorite subjects um, we work a lot i mean there's not a day that goes by that my pickup doesn't have some kind of form of concrete mm-hmm. in it and um, so really enjoyed having you here
2: i appreciate you let me sugarcoat everything <laughs> thanks all right Yeah. the masters is dedicated to educating
0: mentoring and designing a better workplace for the swimming pool industry and their families. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.